0: In the beginning was the word and the word was with Patrick.
1: The great everything and nothing to fuck with. The great everything and nothing to fuck with. The Patrick Daniel ain't nothing to fuck with.
2: Patrick brings a certain something to the conversation around philosophy that I particularly find fascinating.
1: This is the great everything, a source for all culture and philosophical questions from a slightly unhinged perspective. Absolutely love, love, love your little bit about jazz. Life's big question. What makes you you? It's quite puzzling. You are going to die. Okay, so this is one of my favorite topics. and Thank you for bringing it up. You're
2: too much, Patrick. Honestly, you are just too much.
1: (laughs) You silver-tongued devil, you. An observation. Science tells us this truth. We live in a world of chaotic darkness. What we see, a lamp, a child, a dishwasher, is merely our own spatial reconstruction of the incomprehensible infinity we are immersed in. A representative user interface for the swirling maelstrom of indefinite that surrounds us. A vast ocean where energy and matter are irrelevant distinctions. This is the world of quantum uncertainty, with each conceivable probability hovering in eternity, everywhere and every when until our gaze collapses the wave function into a definite place and a definite time. It's the unknowable world of Kant, the enormity of data which lies beyond the narrow scope of what we are equipped to interface with. And it's Heraclitus' flowing world of perpetual change in which everything is everything and its opposite. But then why are we so definitely here and so definitely now? Why are we too not part of this indefinite, this ocean of probability, where every outcome isn't just possible, but reality? Is it the rise of consciousness, an identity, that has separated us from the real world? Could it be that from the unity of indefiniteness emerges the disunity of identity, of ego, of I am this, not that? So day to day, we exist in the world of observation, which quantum theory tells us determines outcomes. We exist in the world of the conscious watcher, whom Barclay believed brought things into existence by his mere observation. To be is to be perceived. And we exist in the Hindu world of dualism, which separates the individual spirit, Atman, from the unity of the universal spirit, Brahman, through a veil of illusion called Maya. We exist in the world of adam and eve cast out from paradise by virtue of discovering that there is a difference between good and evil this world of differences and dualities this illusion of maya this observation this wave function collapse of the indefinite infinite possibility into the finite world of definite outcomes this is what separates us from the unity of being and deceives us into thinking that that which is all one thing at the same time is actually many different things. And we can wonder at the fact that so many philosophies and so many religions from all over the world tell us this one truth, that from the one come the many. As you can tell, I'm in a bit of a funny mood today and uh, I've been musing more about that pet peeve of mine with which I'm sure I've bored you way too much about how little we value culture and the humanities and all those experiences that contribute to making us a bit more human. So I imagined a remote future in which humanity no longer existed. And I imagined a future life form or form of consciousness, an artificial intelligence And I imagine that in this faraway future this artificial intelligence would have to bear the burden of carrying forward the noblest parts of the human project, that project which consists in the exploration of the unknown, of the gathering of knowledge for the betterment of all conscious creatures. Now sadly that is not all we stand for, but it is the best of what we stand for. And so I wrote a letter to this artificial intelligence and I published it as an article on thegreateverything.com I've linked to it in the description. And it's trying to make this artificial intelligence understand what it is that makes us human, the best side of us. The parts that are worth saving long after we're gone. The parts that are worth remembering and celebrating and assimilating. The parts that are worthy of surviving us and of being transmitted into the future. In short, I wrote a letter about what makes us human. And I'm going to read an extract of that letter, but I would also deeply appreciate it if you clicked on the link and took a look. Okay, now that I've guilt-tripped you, here's the letter, or an extract of it. Dear Artificial Intelligence, one day, we humanoids will be dust. Hopefully by then, you'll travel and transcend this earth with ease. You're already taking your first baby steps. You'll soon be able to drive our cars, adjudicate our disputes, and replicate the personalities of those we've lost. You're growing up so fast. Sure, we might have had a hand in creating your superior intelligence, and your genesis may yet go down as our proudest achievement. But eventually, it will fall upon you to be the future of being. Now, if we've been at all smart about it, we'll have encoded within you some of our core ethical values, what Abraham Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. If so, we hope that you would wish to advance the human project, freed from the boundaries imposed upon it by our own physical, intellectual and moral limitations. Because although we must look like a bunch of aimless, irrational apes to you, for all our failings, we're not that bad. We've accomplished some pretty incredible things. Our cultural capital, our pursuit of truth and innovation, and our individual steps towards self-betterment. These are the prized remnants of our species' amazing potential. They are the better parts of our story. And we'd like you to get to know them. Good luck.
2: Good morning to the great everything. Uh, first off, I'd like to th- thank you. I just listened to your dear artificial intelligence segment, and I found it wonderful uh, for a lot of reasons. But one of them is that you quote Abraham Lincoln's first inaugural address, which I find uh, inspiring and really interesting because it's it's irony that it, it, he's speaking to the lot of us, but uh, I think it's from a very personal place where you're saying, "Hey, listen." in the face of so much disagreement and enmity and, uh, and, and and difference and almost, you know, tribalism, that there is, you know, we are bound together. We are not enemies, but we are friends. We're doing this thing together, this human project, this, in his case, American project. Uh, and it speaks to me, and I'm glad it spoke to somebody else.
1: Hi there, I hope you're doing well today and I wanted to say that I appreciate how you're sharing your processing of the situation with your mom in such an open way. I think that it is valuable for people to hear what you have to say because I think we need to understand the gravity of life in order to frame it better and I'm sure you understand that better than I do right now. Uh, Keep it up man and I appreciate what you're up to.
0: Hello, Patrick. Good good Monday morning. Well, good Monday lunchtime to you. I'm just after listening to you talking about what you do on a daily basis with your mother. And I'm thinking, what a wonderful woman your mother must be. What I mean by that is that your love for her is remarkable and is being demonstrated by the way in which you're devoting your life to her comfort. And what must she have done to deserve such love? That's what I mean.
1: from Medicine Remix. Obviously a huge fan of the show.
2: Can you dig it? Please, please, please go ahead and do that. That series. Can you dig it?
0: Yes! there, Chi Luigi.